Hi, my name is Alex Gary, and this is the Thinker What Works podcast. And this afternoon, our guest is Jazz Keys, who is, do you call yourself the president, the owner? I mean, <laughs> uh, I don't really put any specific title. You don't, you don't have a title. Okay. Uh, yeah. She is the creator, I guess, Let's of the, the Local creator. 815, which is a, a business incubator slash artist uh, not a colony, but a place for artists to create uh, here in Rockford, Illinois, over on the east side of town. And uh, we had Jazz in yesterday for a One Million Cups presentation, which was just amazing. And thank it drew you. our largest crowd. So thank you for coming today. Yeah, absolutely. I'm glad to be back a second day in a row. <laughs> <laughs> well, you've, you've heard a couple of our Thinker What Works podcasts. Right. And one of the things we do is we like to kind of drill down. Uh, into specific categories. And, and in your case, there's lots to talk about. I mean, uh, yes. let's just do a, a run through of the various professions that you are involved in. Oh, wow. I know. I, I am trying to kind of find one way to just explain what it is, but so far I haven't gotten that umbrella to, in which to kind of group everything together. But so I do own the local. Um, it is an incubator for artists and entrepreneurs and creatives. So it allows. Um, those who are kind of in that launch phase of business or in that in that small stage to be able to utilize a space that has all the amenities and perks of their own office space or their own corporate boardroom or anything in that capacity to really grow um, and develop their business out. So it's a co-work space during the day where people are there kind of working in workstations or hosting meetings in their boardroom or using a private office to meet with clients and um, just a place to get into your zone and focus on your business. But also, I thought it was really important to give artists uh, a place in which to sell their artwork. And so I have about 200 pieces and the money that is collected when art pieces sell go back to the artist. And then entrepreneurs are also able to sell their product and merchandise and designs through the local. And the whole concept is to re really create this collective culture where, you know, we celebrate together, we cultivate ideas together, um, we create new things as one and to really feed our community. And so that is the local. Um, and that's what I was able to present on yesterday. Yeah. Well, let's talk about you a bit. So if you go to www.jazzkeys.com, K-E-Y-E-S. K-E-Y-E-S. It talks about you are a uh, motivational speaker and an author and a clinical... Yes, yeah, so I'm in my PhD program. I just I completed my master's program in clinical psychology, and I am currently in my PhD program, specializing in marriage and family therapy. And then I do coaching. I do some consultant work um, with different businesses and organizations, and that can be anything from learning how to be diverse and inclusive in your workplace to just having some empowerment classes and workshops for your staff to kind of help uh, create a culture where your employees are actually happy and satisfied in their workplace. Place. Uh, and then I do do a lot of inspirational speaking here and abroad. So I've probably traveled. Abroad, where have you gone? Oh man, um, to speak, I've I've been in Tennessee. I've been in Texas. I've been in Louisiana. I've been in Florida. I've been. And I, I can't even think. See, I'm I've jealous. Been, I love to travel. So. <laughs> um, for, 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 for my leisure, I've been yeah. a lot of places. And traveling is definitely one of my things. But um, in regards to either pushing and promoting my book or actually just uh, being an empowerment speaker at an event or a place of business, I've been a lot of places. So that is actually my business business. Is well, that's what I'm coaching you know, and consulting. Yeah. You have all these things going on. Mm-hmm. So where did the idea 
of the local come from? And and then once you had the idea, you're like, how did you decide that this is something you had to do when you've got all this other stuff going on? Yeah, so I actually walked away from um, my corporate position. I was with a, an amazing company. So uh, I have amazing things to say about Rasmussen. It's just a, an amazing place to work. So it was really a difficult decision. Rasmussen College? Yes. Okay. Yep. It was mm-hmm. really a difficult decision to um, depart from such an amazing team of people and such a, a passionate community-based uh, organization. And so, yeah, they are a college, but they're really impactful in our community. So my idea was to step away, work on building out my daughter's brand, um, finishing my book, uh, just kind of working on my, my coaching and consulting business. And so that was really my 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 goal when I walked away. And so the local just kind of fell into my lap and so sometimes people walk in and they're like you know how long have you had this idea where did this come from and I'm like uh literally last summer it kind of just fell into my lap and so um what happened was I I had a friend who had a a space that he had and he secured the space knowing that it it had the possibility to become something very beautiful something very fruitful but wasn't quite sure like exactly what that was and so um he was kind of in a place where he was considering maybe just letting the space go and you know focusing on some of his other endeavors and as a last kind of attempt to not let this space go that like set in his spirit very heavy as something that could be impactful he reached out and said hey if you know, you can come tour the space. Um, if you find that it's valuable, you could also maybe do your coaching and consulting here. I'm just kind of trying to bring together a vision of what this space could be. And so um, I came and I met with him and we kind of talked through a little bit and I didn't have any concept of what it could be. But I said, you know, first and foremost, this thing needs some color. It needs some love. It needs some TLC. So let's get it a little bit of vibrancy and maybe, you know, we can kind of build out from there and so as we kind of started throwing colors on the wall and replacing flooring kind of just looking at it um, it slowly started to make sense to me and so I remember the first room I kind of had a purpose for was we have this long room in the front and I said well this is idea for like a conference space you know we could fit a long conference table in here I'm like okay so then the next room was the office and slowly but surely each room kind of started um the vision kind of made sense after, you know, a couple of rooms after we got that idea. And so then I, I kind of knew what, what it was starting to become, but I was trying to find a framework for it. So I started just doing some research and um, that's kind of where I came across the, the co-work space. And I'm like, this is essentially what I'd like this to be, but I, I want it to be less about you just come in, pop in at your station and you work and you just build your business and more about an opportunity to bring together community members. And so from there, that's kind of how it started building out where um, it was important to be able to give people a launch pad who maybe didn't have the means or the finances in which to secure space on their own or didn't have the network in which to <clears throat> excuse me share ideas or grow or didn't have a platform in which to sell their product or artwork. And so um, it all kind of came together in that capacity, and here we have the local. So we've been doing One Million Cups here since October, mm-hmm. and the three largest groups that are our best draws we've mm-hmm. had so far would be you with the local, mm-hmm. uh, Rock Tech Workspace, nice, which is up in Rockton, mm-hmm. which is you know a similar concept, I think, less artsy. Yes. Um, and then uh, Bob Ogre last week with the SBDC, who get who does services to small businesses yeah. and doing the research i mean we're talking i you know i think part of the interest is 
that you're offering help to people who are in the gig economy. Have you heard that term? I haven't. Okay, so the gig economy is, uh, and the numbers bounce around, but there was a good one yesterday that I saw by Intuit, who, who, the owner of TurboTax. Mm -hmm. They uh, analyzed their tax returns from 2017, and 34% of the tax returns were filed by people who are essentially making uh, their living as independent contractors or freelancers. Right. You know, instead of having one boss, you've, you've got, you're your own boss, but you've mm -hmm. got nine bosses. Absolutely. Right? And... Uh, they they estimate that that number will grow to 43% by 2020. Wow. And so I was looking up some of the things. How do you survive in the gig economy? One of them they say is don't isolate yourself. Absolutely. Get, right? Absolutely. And the second one is don't work from home. Because you, you, you know, those people, people who work from home exclusively apparently have uh, insomnia and higher work-related stress. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I, think, I think the gig economy, um, the first thing I ever read about that kind of speech to the gig economy was the idea of entrepreneurship. So it's the idea that we are introducing or have a sector of the workplace that really values autonomy, really values innovation and creativity, um, appreciate having their own say-so and how they contribute to their designated role or position. And so they like the idea of being an entrepreneur even if it is within a company, so entrepreneurship. And I thought that was extremely brilliant. However, there's there's also the conflict of a lot of companies and businesses aren't really comfortable relinquishing that much control or that much freedom to employees. And so that isn't um, always feasible, although research says that those types of workers tend to produce better when they have the ability to decide whether I come in at 8 or whether I come in at 10, I'm still going to be as productive. I might decide to stay, you know, just just the freedom to choose different elements of how they perform their, their duties. So I'm not at all surprised that we're kind of seeing this breakaway. And so people are beginning to have this sense of self-worth and self-belief that I have a, the talent and the skills and um, I'm valuable enough to be able to sustain something on my own. And so, yeah. Well, you might, in a way, you're the perfect example of a person in the gig economy you left a safe corporate job a very safe corporate job <laughs> right where you got paid i'm sure every two weeks yep and you got knew what it was going to well. be mm -hmm. right and now do, do you know from month to month what you're going to make yeah no so so the reality is that sometimes i look back on it and i'm like oh my god you're crazy and i saw this quote that says you know entrepreneurs refuse to work eight hours for someone else so they can work 16 hours for themselves and i think that is a very accurate uh, reflections that people m may not realize it, but entrepreneurship is so much more challenging. But I did. I left a very safe job with a very great salary, amazing benefits. Uh, ideally, at 29, I was maybe pay-wise, maybe career stature-wise, at places where, you know, maybe my parents had never even been able to reach and so at 29, I, I was in a very successful place that had room for growth, and uh, I left it all. And like you said, it's been a year and a half, and no, I, I don't ever know month to month what that looks like. And there's a lot of adjustments that go along with that when you kind of snatch your security blanket off of you. Um, it, it does present with some unique challenges. However, I can honestly say I, I probably could never really imagine myself going back into the workforce and being content and being happy. What did your parents do? 
So both of my parents were in the manufacturing industrial. So my father retired from Chrysler and my mother from Pacific Scientific. So two very safe, good corporate jobs. Mm-hmm. And, and kids tend to follow their parents. What sparked, what sparked the entrepreneurial spirit in you? So the, the, <laughs> the funny part about it is that um, when I told my parents I quit my job, specifically my mom, she's <laughs> like, like she's like, can you go back and get it? Like, <laughs> um, and, and no different when I would just like take off and be like, oh, I'm gonna go, you know, um, feed the tigers and play with elephants in Thailand. She's like, who are you? Like, whose child is this? But I think that for me, when I look back, honestly, I think I've been an entrepreneur since the word go. I think growing up in in an environment where money wasn't, you know, uh, money didn't fluidly flow through my home is the best way I can explain it. So I grew up in in an environment where, you know, there was a very worrisome relationship with money. It was kind of check to check, those kind of things. And so I always knew in my head that um, I didn't want it. I didn't want to be like that. And that was always impressed upon me that I needed to go to school, get a good education. Um, that's always been the great equalizer. You know, if, if we can go and we can go get a, a really great education, then we have a better chance of, you know, entering into positions that maybe aren't necessarily or weren't necessarily available to African-Americans or blacks at that time. So um, my parents always impressed education upon me in order to be a solution to not having money. Um, and so that was embedded in me. But I can remember being six years old and creating things from home like I would ask my mom to like I would make the keychains and I would go with her to like the bowling alley and I'd go around to all of her friends and I would sell them and then I would take that money and I would go back and I'd buy a new product and I would save the rest and I was very very tight with money probably because there's such a worried relationship very tight with money and then from there I'd say well I can create this or I can create this and then I remember doing like a fundraiser like when you sell like the candy bars, what are those big candy bars? The world's of yeah, right. Yeah, so I remember doing that, and I was like the top sales or something. And I was thinking, I have to turn all this money over. Like I have to give these people all of this money, and I get a certificate and a prize. I'm like, something's not right about that. So I told my you mom, to make your own chocolate. Yeah, bars. <laughs> so I told my mom, I'm like, I I want to sell candy on my own. So she's like, well, I think they have like boxes of candy at Sam's. So we went to Camp Sam's. I remember, you know. Um, and like just sell the candy and then i realized like oh i get to keep my own money and so as far back as i can remember i would be very resourceful in ways in which to make money you know i saw some, that <laughs> makes me laugh because you know facebook's a great time waster but every every mm-hmm. once in a while something's really funny today i saw apparently some little girl scout uh, out on the West Coast. Oh my gosh, brilliant. She set up the table next to the Outside marijuana the, dispensary. Isn't that brilliant? <laughs> she made hundreds of dollars for the police told her she couldn't do it. That is brilliant. <laughs> like for me, I think that as a as a parent, I mean as a person who attempts to kind of serve as a mentor in with the youth as much as possible, like I'm all for that kind of stuff. <laughs> I'm all for it. I think that's brilliant. Um, and so, yeah. <laughs> Let's get back to the local because yeah, one thing she talked about yesterday was you have a number of events, and some of them are are education based. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I saw you had the the mind. Um, oh, what's that called? I get that one group in November, um, Mastermind. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, how much of that is the local gear toward basically helping your members? Is that you call them members? 
right? Well, yeah. So and and helping them learn the skills mm-hmm. to grow on and up and out. So if they wanted to get a bigger office, somewhere yeah. they could. So there's a there's a component of the local that is just communal. So it's not necessarily so when when people say, well, you know, who's the audience? I say artists entrepreneurs and community because I wanted to ensure that this space became a space that was available to those who maybe didn't fit in with entrepreneurship or didn't fit in with necessarily an artist, but still had a passion for either, you know, receiving information or um, who just wanted, you know, very safe places in which to enjoy themselves. And so the classes range, I try to look at it holistically. So I try to make sure that we're tapping into some space of wellness, whether it's, you know, spiritual, mental, fina- you know, finances, environment, trying to make sure that we're contributing to the wellness of our community. And so with that being said, we have everything from like workout classes to yoga. Um, and it's really beautiful because so many people who have experienced things like the yoga class have never done meditation. I've never done yoga. So you're introducing a, a skill that has proven to be very valuable for anxiety, um, trauma, just normal day-to-day functionality to an audience that has never received that kind of um, support or never received that kind of experience. But then we also do have some very business-focused classes. And so the idea behind that is people may have the desire to grow out their business. Or maybe they just have an idea and they haven't even fully brought that into fruition because they not because they don't want to, but sometimes the skills aren't there and the training's not there. So if I can offer low to free classes that give people the foundational understanding of how to, you know, do certain things to make their business more successful, then I try to offer that. So even like grant writing, where it's like someone may have a nonprofit style business or a nonprofit model, but they have no idea how to file their 501c3, how to access grant funding, um, or anything in that capacity. So I brought in an expert. And I, I try to put experts in front of people. So I brought in an expert, Ms. Anquanette Parham, who taught and facilitated that class. And the response was overwhelming. Like, can you do another one? I need to know this information. And here we are with individuals who have nonprofits and um, struggle to figure out how to fund them. And so Anything from that to, you know, marketing your business to mastermind groups where people can come and have a safe place to brainstorm and have an accountability group. Um, Then we also deal with just kind of personal life advancement style classes like credit repair, purchasing your first home. Those are all things that contribute to a great life. And so with the local, that's kind of how I approach classes is through that lens where how can I figure out how to tap into each component of um, our community members' wellness and provide them with a a safe, non-intimidating, non-threatening environment in which to receive what they need to better themselves. Okay, so you've gone from an environment where you were at Rasmus. What was your role there? So originally I started out in admissions. Mm -hmm. So I was kind of the first point of contact when somebody expressed interest in attending college. But a very defined role. Yep. And then Mm -hmm. I went into kind of outside. So I would go around to businesses and establish those relationships. Still yet, yeah. Mm -hmm. So uh, relationship building, but a defined role. Yes. uh, A defined schedule. Yes. Right? Into this situation where you have all these different things that you do (laughs) and this organization that you're trying to build. Mm -hmm. How do you compartmentalize your day and your week? My gosh. (laughs) So... One thing that that happens when somebody is like, so (laughs) one, I try to focus on what I know can get executed 
in that day. So I never want to leave a day and feel like I haven't accomplished something. So I always try to make sure that anything that I know, if I put it to the top of the list, it won't take as much time to do, but it can get done and cross off the list um, is really important. What I'm learning now is to build out something that is influential, to build out something that is grand, to build out something that is great and impactful, it requires a support structure. And so I have typically up until this point been a very independent worker in the or even business owner, which has been very independent in my efforts. So what I'm realizing now and I'm gladly accepting is help. So learning how to delegate is very crucial to kind of being effective. Um, because initially I do everything from creating the graphics to recruitment to managing and cleaning the building to like everything like that on top of my second business. So what, what I've kind of learned how to do is uh, learning how to delegate. That's something new for me. Uh, focusing on and prioritizing what can get accomplished, you know, at the start of the day. I'm learning to disconnect and realize like the bottom's not going to fall out the earth if I don't get back to an email within, you know, 10 minutes. So starting to just focus on emails, beginning of the day, end of the day, um, limiting my distractions as much as possible. And I agree with what was said by uh, TurboTax in the sense of working from home limits productivity. So before I started at the local, I was just running my coaching business from my home. But anybody who's run business from home, unless you're extremely disciplined, uh, what can happen is it's a blurred line between the roles. So at home, my roles are different. You know, I'm cooking, I'm cleaning, I'm tending to the home, I'm, you know, doing homework, you know, whatever the case may be. So those can easily become distractions where you're like, okay, I'll just go throw in a load of laundry. I'll just go do this. Or, you know, um, I don't necessarily have to get up and get dressed for the day. So I'll go to my office in my pajamas or whatever the case may be. But it begins to limit your your ability to really be effective um, because you're kind of blurring those roles. And so getting out and getting at the local and getting, you know, there in a a designated space has also helped as well. When you're out in the public, do you feel like you always have to be the face of the local? Like, you know, if you're working for a corporate company and you get salary and Mm -hmm. you go to the wine and you're wearing a torn T-shirt and, you know, terrible shorts, Mm -hmm. what's the matter, right? Right. But if you're... (laughs) A business that's always looking for clients and always looking for new opportunities. Right. How do you know? Is, is that a different animal? Well, so yes, I think that ideally, what I w- would aspire to do is allow the the local to stand alone without it being the local and the merger of like Jasky. So, so it to be a environment that is stabilized because it's just a great environment, which it is. Um, without kind of it being meshed together, to say so. But to answer your question, yes, for a few different reasons. Um, one, the local, yes, but also I I run a business that is based in providing services to empower your life, providing services to, you know, um, ascend to the next level, to be empowered to do impactful and great things. I coach, I speak, um, I do all of these things. So, what actually <laughs> it's so funny because that actually is what happened is I think one day I was just like, you know, what? I just got to run out to the store, grab a couple things. And I just kind of like threw myself together, you know, threw on, I think, some ratty like sweatpants because I'm like one of those people that I have a hard time like getting rid of clothes. So like I might have a clothes that have like a bleach stain here, a hole in it. And I'm just like, 
I'm, I'm not ready to let this go. Even oh, I got, like I got a softball t-shirt from like 1994. That's what I'm saying. Like it's, it's ridiculous. Yeah. It's not even necessary. Mm-hmm. But that day, I think I just had to maybe pick up like the worst thing I could ever <laughs> imagine. And like my head wasn't done. I don't even think I threw on a hat. And I'm like, I'm just going to run. And I kid you not, like I had to stop at the gas station because I didn't have any gas. I saw somebody at the gas station. Then I saw like three people at the store. And I'm just like, I don't look like I should be coaching anyone's life looking like this. And so what I realized is you kind of forfeit some of that like freedom to just be like, oh, whatever. I don't have to care about my appearance. I don't have to care about any of these things. When you step in front of people in a position of, you know, either something like local or even being somebody who does coaching and consulting and speaking, it's like you kind of forfeit some of that. And so I've just gotten much more um, <laughs> uh, intentional about that because I'm I'm really kind of a laid back, casual person. And that comes with somewhat as a shock to people, but like I'm not really all that like. I, I don't even want to say girly, but to, to the best description of kind of what I mean is I'm not one of those, you know, women who just wake up every day and just decide that glam is going to be my life. And I'm going to be in like, I literally have to tell myself, like, you know, you can't just, you know, rock out of here. <laughs> um, so th- I've I've just gotten better about recognizing that. You know, this is no different than going into some place that you have a corporate position and you're, you know, having to wear business attire. I have a little bit more freedom in my day to day. But for the most part, yes, I, I do <laughs> try to be better about that. All right. So let's wrap up. Let's talk no a little problem. bit about the local and your five year kind of like a five year plan. right? Because you're already full. Right. I've been in there yes. and it's pretty much it's 2000 square feet mm-hmm. and uh, which is a decent size, but mm-hmm. you're already full. So True. what do you think? You know, do you have a, a, a you know a one, three, five year plan? So yes. Um, again, the the local is one of those things that I wish I could say that I have been thinking about doing for forever, and and it's not. So I, I I walk in every day very very fortunate that somehow I was you know given the opportunity to bring something like this into manifestation, and I'm very grateful for what it's done thus far for artists and entrepreneurs and just the community because again we have classes for kids we have workshops and seminars that do not speak necessarily to just artists and and entrepreneurs but people are very comfortable there and so yes the space does get very full um thus far I have not had any classes that have not had attendees or not have been full so I'm just really grateful for all of that uh as I expand out what I would like to do with the local is um Add a nonprofit arm to it, so add a, a 501c3 component to it in order to be able to access some grant funding to support with either equipment and, you know, supplies and things like that that are necessary for artists and entrepreneurs, anything from like a screen printing to commercial printers, things like that. Um, the space is already, we've already outgrown it, if I'm if I'm just being honest. That's really probably one of my only limitations is, like, we can only do 20 people, 15 people classes because my, my event space for classes are limited. Um, so what I'd like to see happen is uh, us to access some grant funding that helps with the sustainability and the cost of it um, and to be able to put some people in position to learn skill sets that allow them to effectively contribute to the local but then also to bring into their own business or their own vision so maybe someone has 
a certain idea, but they've never done administrative work. They've never done marketing. They've never done, you know, social media campaigns or whatever the case may be. Learning some of those skill sets so they can kind of contribute to local, but then to be able to add that element to whatever it is that they want to see done with their lives. So uh, I like to put some people in position to have um, roles in the local that are, are paid. I like someone to be able to manage some of the day to day uh, operations and things like that and to scale it out. So to me, this this first year was to see the validity of the concept, to see does this work? Does this meet needs? Are people excited about it? Um, how does it enhance or contribute to those who are involved? And so that kind of has already been proven. So to me, the next step is to scale. Um, to find us a, a bigger space because right now it's like I might have a, a workout class so I'll clear out the tables and then I might have a business class the next day so I'm moving tables back in there or you know just kind of using the space to the best of our ability but to be able to kind of have spaces that are designated for just what they are and not having to do um, some of those accommodations because our space is limited uh, would be ideal so scaling out to a, a larger space, physical space location, um, adding that nonprofit arm and accessing some grant funding and things like that that allow us to deal with youth and literacy and business and growth and, and all those community initiatives. And then to put some people in position to uh, serve in roles that maybe they would not necessarily be able to do so without the local. Okay. Mm -hmm. So uh, if they want to uh, take a look at the local online, mm -hmm. uh, your Facebook page is what you use at this point, correct? Yes. Yeah, so, so the Facebook page is the local. Um, the website is launching the end of February. It's almost done. We're just kind of tweaking last minute things. But then that will be www.thelocal815.com. Um, and on there, they'll be able to purchase product. They'll be able to purchase artwork. They'll be able to reserve the space, contact, look at pictures and galleries, register for events. It'll be all functioning. All right. Well, again, thank you for coming well, thank you in. For having it, me. It's been a lot of fun talking to you, <laughs> and and it's going to be fun to watch the local grow and oh, to see what you. else you jump into. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, and I love this space and this place and what it gives to people like me. So thank you for having me. You're welcome. Awesome.